are. It's Coach's Corner with Heck and King and King and Hayes. There's a lot of names, but we're back. We have the great Allison Hayes with us today to talk Notre Dame spring game and how afraid I should be for the Ohio State Notre Dame game coming up in the fall. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you this much. There's been a lot of talk, and hopefully, Allison can kind of clear this up with us a little bit. But so, so I think everybody just naturally assumed that Sam Hartman was going to be the guy here. But, but I think Buckner ha- has his own little agenda, and so I don't think that that's necessarily the case. At least according to to Coach Freeman, where where he says it's still an open competition, right? Yes, I've been out to practice. I've gotten to see the guys out there together standing side by side throwing side by side and to actually see them in motion and it it it, to be honest it was a little bit surprising i think a lot of us expected media fans that sam hartman coming as the grad transfer from wake forest uh, 110 career touchdowns all-time touchdown leader um, for the acc i mean he's got this list of stats so you see him you and he's got the look let's face it i mean you know he looks like a model and you are expecting he's going to come in and he's just going to own the job. He's the and, next Jimmy G, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he looks the part. No, so, so, no, so that means, I mean, I've not really paid any attention. Well, then, no, so, so, so that means that me and Pat could come in and play quarterback for Notre Dame. Oh, we got absolutely. The right, right. right. <laughs> and we have modeling contracts all set up to go. They would tell us not to take our helmets off. <laughs> okay. You can give you the, the, the yeah, shield. The there, shield so. and everything. Like, even on the yeah. sideline. Just leave your helmet on, King. <laughs> <laughs> but to see them in person, the one thing that was really surprising to me, and we've got some video that we're going to show you that I've shot just on my phone being at practice, but was um, – size the size makes a difference when you use the eyeball test i was really surprised that sam hartman is is kind of small i think they're listed only a fraction of a difference in size on their roster but when you actually see them in person sam is pretty small framed he is a little bit shorter than tyler but he's also narrow like he's He's not real broad chested. He he's very narrow. His legs are very very skinny, and I, that was surprising to me. Not that that makes any real difference, but you know, there's been this argument with Drew Pine, too short. Ian Book, too short. So there's been this you know ongoing list of short quarterbacks at Notre Dame in recent years, and here comes a new guy in, and and he's actually shorter than Tyler Buckner. So that was surprising wow. to me. So. That- um, have they have they gone live yet? Have you seen them like in semi live where they've had a uh, pass rush where you know is he having trouble looking over the linemen? I mean, I have uh, Wake Forest. It seemed like he didn't have any trouble throwing the ball. That's for sure. I just wondered if you know it with Notre Dame's schedule, uh, will he have trouble seeing over people? It'll be interesting. We've seen them in scrimmages, but that we don't. It, it's not like fully fully live, sure. but we have gotten to see them in action. And I, I don't know that that's been the difference or not, but he's there's been a lot of overthrown passes, a lot of dropped balls, a lot of just kind of off target. Um, he said himself that he's having some, you know, growing pains as he's transitioning, learning the new playbook, learning everything. One thing that stood out to me too was interesting that Sam said was that he's having trouble taking the center exchange because at Wake Forest, he only took that in victory formation. He was almost always back. And so he had room, he had time. And so I thought that was really interesting. Back it would have luxury, right? You know? 
That's something you don't think about, but that's very true. You know, a traditional quarterback under the center compared to back in the shotgun, you know, that's two different, you know, two different things. And, and uh, just getting under the center is a whole different, a whole different beast in itself. Well, I think that he, uh, I mean, I mean, the whole transition period for him is different because he called the plays at the line of scrimmage. They, you know, they had all that play system where you look over there and they give you the numbers. With Notre Dame, they huddle up a little bit. And so I think I, I think the whole complexity of the quarterback position uh, is kind of hitting him all at once. But, but when you say, is he too short? He wasn't too short at Wake Forest, yeah. man. Come on. He, he threw for he threw for a lot of yards threw for a lot of touchdowns. I think it's just going to take him some time to to get ingrained in the system, and 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 let's face it, Tyler Buckner's been in this system now for a couple of years, and it's second nature to him, and 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 Tyler Buckner is going to take off, he's going to run, so so I think he's a different type of quarterback than Sam Hartman, but we brought Sam Hartman here for a reason, and and I fully think that that as you go through a college football season, it, it becomes very difficult to only have one quarterback that's capable of playing. And uh, so, so the more the more quarterbacks in that quarterback room for Marcus Freeman, the better off he is. I, I think so. agree with you on that. I was going to say, Allison, go ahead and finish. And I was going to ask about the running backs. Go ahead. Sure. So I, when, I think that Buckner's kind of gotten a little bit of a, a raw deal in the sense that, you know, fans like get him out of there. He's not good, but he, was extremely highly touted out of high school. He's extremely athletic. We've seen that athleticism and, and at times, but he's also just been battling injuries so much that it, that we haven't really gotten a chance to really see what he can do. When you look at, he didn't get to play last year in the spring game because of an injury. And then he got injured in game two of this season. And, you know, so it's like, he has the ability, I think, and I think that it's interesting that it almost seemed like it was Sam's job to lose as opposed to Tyler's job to lose. So it's an interesting dynamic for sure. But I do agree with you, Heck, that I think that whoever is going to be the starting quarterback, that we should see both guys get some action because they do bring different skill sets. When you have the ability to run like Tyler does, it just opens up different avenues for you, but you still have to have a pure passing game. And a lot of that comes down to the receivers and they've not had other than of course, the best tight end in, in college football in Michael Mayer, they've not really had the wide receiver play that they've needed in the last couple of years. So we'll see how that develops as spring. And now we get into fall. Let's not forget about Tyler Buckner's uh, bowl game. I thought yes. I thought his his bowl game was really good, and 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 I thought he was put in in a couple of tough situations by the coaching staff, where they had ran that that football down the field, and they're on like the two yard line, and and, and now they're going to pass instead of instead of just handing it off again because because when you're at the two yard line. There, there's no room in the end zone. I mean, right. everything's clogged up. Exactly. And I, I thought, I thought he, I thought he showed a lot of poise. I, I, I thought he played really well and, and and brought and brought the Irish back and and won the game for the Irish. So, so I think he's got that in his hip pocket too. And uh, Marcus he was Freeman, MVP of that game. Yeah. No, exactly. And 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 Marcus Freeman has has great coaches and they have great coaching staff. They they'll have film on every throw that these guys make. 
in the spring and in the fall. And I'm, and, and I'm pretty confident that the decision they make will be the right one for Notre Dame at the quarterback and, position. And if you think about, think back a year ago when we were getting ready for the bowl game, all the talk about who's going to be the quarterback in the bowl, in the bowl game, and everybody knew Buckner was brought in here for a reason. He was the starter. Pine was the backup. Pine played all year because Buckner was you hurt. Had to. Right. So, so now we got into the bowl game. Let's you know replaying what, what transpired last December. Who's going to be the quarterback? Well, when they decided Buckner's going to be the quarterback, that was a message to Pine. It's time for you to go. Now they adios. Now they adios, now man. They, now, Nil. Yeah. Now they bring in the Wake Forest quarterback, and you've got okay. You still got Buckner here, who is your golden boy from California two years ago or three years ago, however long it's been, he's the starter. Now all of a sudden you're bringing in this other guy that's a starter too. So, well, I'd like to see, so I'd like to see what kind of car Drew Pine is driving now uh, in Arizona, you know, because he's, I mean, he's, he transferred to Arizona. He's got some, he's got to have some NIL money, man. I'm just saying. He did just fine. Well, Allison, let's jump to the, the, we need to talk about wide, running rec- backs. wide receivers and running backs too. What's going on with them? Well, and to just quickly wrap up, you know, you touched on Marcus Freeman. I, we had the opportunity to talk to him this past weekend, and he said, you know, I don't have, I can't make it an announcement yet or, or name a starter yet because I feel like I have two starting quarterbacks. But he, he did does. say that he doesn't plan to like drag it out and make it real dramatic. But that, like, I so I don't expect us to find out a starter one way or the other after this spring. But I think pretty early on in the fall, at least that's what the hope is, is that they'll kind of make that decision and then right. be able to move And the only will, thing I, will the only have, thing will I can have think one, of, will they will have, have one guy, will they have one guy named as the, the guy you think by week one, or do you think he's going to give him some leash to where it may not become a Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy type deal where they really can't figure out one way or another that Harbaugh did either last year or the year before, or, or what do you think? I hope that they're not in that position where by week one, you're still, yes. I mean, that's that old adage where if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one and you don't want to be in that situation. But I I know I don't, at least based on what Freeman just told us, I don't think, I think his goal obviously is to have a starter clearly named. But I, I, like I said, I do think that it would be possible if Sam does win the job that we do see Tyler come in situationally, perhaps, you know, when you do want to have a mobile quarterback. So, and, and honestly, I don't think that might be too bad of a scenario for them just because of how talented I feel like they both could be. And, and one more note just about Sam and seeing him live at, at practice while you, you know, he's still trying to figure it out. You know, he's still trying to kind of get a grasp of the playbook and all of that. The way he carries himself on the practice field, he looks like a leader. And you can see that sometimes in guys, right? And Mm -hmm. Tyler, that's not to say Tyler isn't, but Tyler is definitely much more quiet. He would be more of a quiet leader, lead by example. Whereas Sam, like if, if you just looked and you had no idea who anybody was and you looked at the field, I think your first impression would be that Sam would be the starter. And the last thing I can think of, um, Buckner is is uh, Brian Kelly's quarterback? If you think about it, he was Brian Kelly brought him in, and then Freeman brings in his own quarterback. So, what, does that make a difference? We'll I guess we'll find out. 
Well, they were in theory, they were both brought in by offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. So and now Tommy's gone. That's, that's right. That's yeah. Exactly and right. and yeah. that was kind of a topic of conversation for Sam at first, too, where and he kind of got a little defensive on it. Um, I actually specifically asked him about it. And you can see that on my social media pages. If you guys go check it out. <laughs> there you go. Days, so. There's a good yeah, plug. No, no shameless, and... shameless plugs are appreciated. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> uh, but it, he kind of, you know, he's like, I'm going to say the same thing, you know, anytime someone asks me about it, but he's like, I'm happy for Tommy, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's an adjustment for him. And, you know, we, we talked or we will see some video of uh, the new quarterbacks coach who is Gino Gadouli. He's coming over from Cincinnati. He was a quarterback himself. He's tall. Like you talk about the size, you want a big, tall quarterback. That's what Gino is. So he kind of towers over both Tyler and Sam, but he's like, there you go. Sam is number 10. Tyler's number 12. Gino there in the middle. And uh, I like his personality a lot. And I like that Gino is specifically focused on the quarterbacks. He is just the quarterbacks coordinator. And then they have a separate offensive coordinator who is Jared Parker, who, who worked primarily with the tight ends. He'll still be working with tight ends, but now he's also overseeing the offense, but it's going to be kind of by committee. I know Dylan McCullough will be also calling. He's the running backs coach. He's going to be calling some plays for the run game. And we can transition into the run game. If like. Perfect transition. Talk, talk about there you go. Tell us who the running backs are. I, I, I was just looking at some of the notes. They were talking about uh, what Logan Diggs. Is that right? And he's Jadarian hurt Price. this spring. Yeah. Now, where did, who is this Jeremiah Love? Is that a fresh uh, incoming freshman? He's been, honestly, I haven't had a chance to look at very much, but Jabron Payne, he's okay. somebody to be on the lookout for. So they just held their draft. So they did. It's really cute. They, the Notre Dame football team for spring game, they hold a draft, one quarterback per team. And then they literally, they do it like it's the NFL and they got the guys in the room and, and they get up on the podium and they announce who they're selecting for their team. And the number one overall pick, because they don't include the quarterbacks, they were already selected. The number one overall pick was Jabron Payne. And he's the, the young running back coming in. And that was, I mean, we're thinking, you know, you're watching that and, and, uh, on your computer and you're like, if I am Audrey Estime, I'm like, what the heck? What uh -huh. about me? Like, why wouldn't I be number one? But that's a good thing, I think. When you've got Audrey Estime and someone's taking this young freshman over him to start, I, I think that's pretty cool. That's a good problem to have, right? I they had so. a lot of running backs last year, and they're going to have those same uh, that same depth this year. And a big also point of conversation is the transition of Chris Tyree, who was sort of that smaller speed back last no, She froze. Right. to if you She's guys can hear me still okay you're good uh, or you're back he's getting some time in at wide receiver so he's expected to still play some running back but really when we saw him excel last year because you had three with audrick estime logan diggs and then chris tyree he was kind of getting the pickup spots and, and as a receiver in the slot and he really was successful there so i think we're going to see the wide receiver core strengthened with moving Chris Tyree over there. You're going to keep him happy because he's getting touches and you still have all this depth and strength on the run game. Yeah, I think that's great when, when, when the running back room has all that competition because, and, and let's be realistic about it. It's all about carries. I mean, it's all yeah. about who gets the carries and, and, and the coaches can, can, I mean, they can play that off really easily because they can say, who's the hot back right now. I mean, there's, 
there's different styles of running. There's, there's different styles of blocking and, and whichever running back is hot at that particular time is obviously going to get the carries. And when, and when the running back room is full of competition, then, then I think that's a, that's a really, really healthy problem to have. What about the wideouts now? I, I, I saw where, where styles might move over to, to the defensive backs. Yes. So he's they right now he's still planning to be a part of the wide receiver core, but he's he's kind of been a guy who's been a little disappointing. Uh, everyone kind of thought he was going to have this breakout season last year, and it really just didn't turn out that way. And so Coach Freeman's like, you know, he's a really great athlete. We need to figure this out. And he actually played. Um, db in high school and so now they're giving him some chances at i believe it's cornerback actually for uh, notre dame this year he said um but having him getting reps at cornerback and in that scrimmage we saw him make a big play and he so he's got a, a really good opportunity and he's also really kind of a quiet and and shy guy his big brother little brother sunny styles is uh i see the ohio state shirt you're wearing there yeah He's he of course going to be a stud at Ohio yes. State, but so Lorenzo is normally so quiet and everything. And when we had a chance to talk to him this week, he was like beaming. Like it was, it was fun to talk with him because he was excited about the opportunity. And like he's like, I come from a defensive-minded family, so I think he's excited. It's energized him, and it's giving him an opportunity to, you know, kind of almost redeem himself in a way and get a second chance. I think one of the things I've been thinking is Notre Dame, for them to become maybe more of a complete team uh, on the national level, they, they have to improve on their wideouts. Because in, when I when I think of Notre Dame right now, the last couple of years, it's been the running game and throw the ball to tight end. And they they couldn't throw, there was no wideouts to, to throw it to. Or in no quarterback years, who could throw or it Or nobody could throw it to them. Yeah. So I think that... That's going to be maybe a, a, a an identifying factor for Freeman's next couple of years. Can he find some wideouts to maybe complete the, the offensive package to to give them a, a the, the three the three different pieces of that? Because and they I, I noticed they said they're having some issues at tight end. They just don't have the big the big play tight end right now. They're kind of looking at two or three different people. Well, and right now they've got three tight ends that are injured who won't even really get to play in the yeah. blue goal game. So there's an already depleted room and terribly huge shoes to fill when you lose Michael Mayer. And then to have three of them hurt, I'll be interested to see. That's something I'm going to talk about on my show on Saturday is, you know, how much does that hurt the tight end room when you basically are missing an entire spring and all those practices and all that, those opportunities. Well, and, and so that, that gives the, the whiteouts a golden opportunity to, to state their case for why, why they need to be getting minutes and, and getting touches and getting targets, you know, come fall. So I think it's a great opportunity for the wide receiver and crew too. Do we have any of the names of the whiteouts that are vying for playing time right now, Allison? Uh, yes, and of course I'm missing them on my, my cheat sheet, but um, a young guy to keep a lookout for is Rico Flores. He's an early enrollee freshman, personality galore, but talent. Like when we've been at practice and had an opportunity to watch, he's a guy that continuously is catching your eye. Like, oh, there, oh, there, oh, there he is again. There mm -hmm. he is again. And so it's been fun to watch him. And I think he's going to be a guy that 
I don't know if it's going to be his freshman year, but I would say definitely by year two, he's going to be a name that we're going to be like, oh, wow, you know, here he goes. And, and he, he's going to have some breakout uh, catches for the team. And he'll be one of those guys you just know him by his first name, then you know he's hit the big time. Rico, that's right. I mean, I meant he's got to have some good NIL deals with a cool name like that. Yeah, why not? Exactly. Rico's not from Miami, is he? I mean, is he from uh, Miami? Let me see. I don't know if I I got my notes on him. Because if because if he's from Miami, he's probably been at the Coca Ben. Oh, he's stop probably been it. At the Coca at the Coca Cabana. Now you're stereotyping. His name is Rico. Did he? Did he wear a diamond? <laughs> you you got it, Scott. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, I know Barry Manilow. You get Manilow. to leave when all this is over. I've got to stay. <laughs> That's great, Scott. I've got to stay Barry with Barry Manilow. Scott. Oh, you're right, Barry Manilow, man. Come on. His name is don't, Rico. Don't cope a cabana. All right, all right. It's the hottest spot. Hey, do, 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 we, so, do we want to talk defense of all? Because the defense has been their mainstay. I've, I've noticed they, what they talked about. Uh, was it Botello yes. and, and Mills? Patel yes. and Mills, I've seen their names popping up on everything I've seen. Yes. Are they going to be the main stage for the defense this year? Well, I think so. Yeah, I think you're also going to obviously see uh, J.D. Bertrand. This is his final go, and, and he's coming in. Um, I don't know what the exact number was, but he led the team in tackles with over okay. 80 uh, by himself last season. So you, you got that. And then Jack Kaiser. Now, Kaiser is hurt for the – spring game so we may not see anything from him but uh, Jack Kaiser is going to be really kind of I think the main staple there but then you've got at linebacker you've got Maris Leofow also um, who's going to be coming in with a lot of playing time I think they're they've got a, a, a good core group there on that defensive line so we could see a lot of different packages where we see guys kind of rotating in and out and you know, obviously in, in today's world of football you've got to look at your your secondary uh, I've seen the names what Morrison, Hart, and Lewis have been some names that have come up, and but those are all corners. Are they going to move some of those guys to safety, or what are they going to do? I don't know. Uh, again, that's a position where they've just they're loaded, right? So mm -hmm. we we've had a chance to talk to them. Cam Hart, another guy who is hurt, he comes back with the most experience, but he's injured for this spring. So that does give some opportunities for some of these younger guys to kind of work their way in and and make a name for themselves and. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all develops, especially when you've got another guy, Lorenzo Styles, who's kind of making his way into the picture. And I think that's a place where there's been a little bit of a weakness there where you can kind of pick some guys apart and, and when you're a passing game for opposing teams. And so it'll be a definite need to strengthen that position for the Irish. Well, and traditionally, that's uh, you, you seem to see uh, incoming freshmen. So – uh, come summertime when they get the freshmen in here for summer school and workouts and you know, in the month of June, you'll start hearing some new names there. And as we get into camp there in August, you know, we may, they'll be start talking about some of these freshmen that are still seniors in high school right now. So uh, it seems like they materialize in that secondary as maybe a nickelback or, you know, one of the packages that you have. So that's the name of a young guy who's an early yeah. enrollee. We had a chance to talk to him um, earlier uh, in the spring. He's making that transition and he's been learning sort of both positions now. And, and I, so, and I think he likes it. He feels like he's ready to go. Of course, they all say that, right? Like sure I'm ready. Are. Come in, coach. <laughs> they don't, they have to. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What are they they're supposed to say? I'm going to wait my turn. You're right. Know? 
I'm ready right so, now. Exactly. Well, tell me real quick. So who what, do you think guards Marvin Harrison? Who's going to guard Marvin Harrison? Okay. See, the whole team. I, that's a, so I don't think anybody's going to exactly. guard uh, Marvin Harrison. Just but put a pass I don't know if Ohio State's got a QB to get the ball to yeah. him. I don't know. That's the key, right? I don't right? know. Yeah, so so has there been any talk about about Notre Dame losing uh, the great Harry Heaston and the offensive line? Because obviously Notre Dame has had great offensive line coaching. They've had great offensive linemen. The in the NFL, I mean, I mean, will always try and sign or or draft a Notre Dame offensive lineman. Tell us about the new offensive line coach and and. Uh, if they're talking about missing Harry yet. I love him. Just right off I the bat. I, I We had a chance to talk with Joe. And get this, he was actually recruited in college by Harry Heastan. So they already had that. a connection. And they, he's had a chance to kind of talk with Harry and, and almost use him as a resource. But he's also inheriting a pretty solid offensive line right now for Notre Dame. I feel like that's going to be a strong point for the Irish this season. Um, you're, you're not losing too terribly much, and you a lot of these guys have experience. So I think that the O-line should be in pretty good shape. And I, if I'm a player, I'm buying into what Joe has to say. Like he – just his personality and and the way that he talks with us – you, I could feel that energy and I could feel that from him. And then you have the experience of these guys. He's kind of, in a way, a hairy disciple. So I, I think you're going to have a lot of, hopefully, cohesion there kind of already still in place, if that makes sense. Well, right off right off the bat, he's, you're talking about two probably first-round uh, tackles next year in the NFL draft in, in Fisher and Alt. Yes. And, and those guys have been playing for, you know, for a couple years. And, and, and when you got the bookend tackles like that, you don't got to worry about the outside. Now you just got to shore up the center position and the two guards. And, um, I mean, Notre Dame's always been strong there. Yes, I I agree. think I saw what Zeke Carroll's been playing center. I hear see that name. And he so he's a regular. He's back, isn't he? The Carroll kid? Zeke Carell. 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 Yes, Carell. He, he has been around for quite a while. And he's sort of been one of those plug-and-play where he's – moved a couple positions, I think, over the course of his career because of the depth and the great offensive line players that Notre Dame has had during that time period. But when someone was injured, they moved him over. Okay. I, he's a guy where I want to see him solidify his position as this is my spot. I'm the best at it. I'm not mm -hmm. just getting moved in because somebody else is out. And I think that's kind of where he's at right now, whereas he's, he kind of needs to prove himself a little bit, but I think he has the ability to do that, but I want to see it to believe it. Is Notre Dame done recruiting uh, in the transfer portal now, do you think, or, 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 or when the new recruiting date comes out sometime in May, do you think Notre Dame will be an active participant in that? Oh, I think so. I, I think, I mean, I think you have to be right at this stage of, of college football, you have to be actively perusing the transfer portal because there's so many guys that are entering it. And so you can get some talent and you can kind of take this spring and see, okay, maybe we do need another safety or maybe we do need this or that. And then you see what's out there. Um, one person that we didn't really get to talk about was at wide receiver who entered the transfer portal was Caleb Smith. He was the receiver that was coming over from Virginia Tech, and he just surprised and made the announcement last week that he is retiring from football yeah. after I making this transfer. 
And I thought that was really interesting. And especially that he put in there about um, focusing on his mental and physical health. So I, I think that's an interesting development. I was really disappointed to see that because he had a longstanding connection with Sam Hartman. Their dads played college football together. So they've known each other forever. They almost both played at Wake Forest together, but something kind of didn't work out with the early enrollee status for Caleb. So he ended up going to Virginia Tech. So it was like all this came together. They were finally going to get to play together. And I think he was expected to be in the mix, you know, of of being able to get in that starting rotation. And he just, it just didn't work out for him. So we wish him the best, of course, but disappointed that they aren't going to be able to play together. Have you had a chance? I guess the last thing I was going to ask you, the kicking game, didn't I read where they're looking, you know, looking for a new kicker? Yes, I'll be. Or did the, or did the old, did the old I, kick, uh, that's something you don't pay attention to, but I, didn't the old kicker either graduate or leave or? He did. He, so, and he was here for a really long time. I, I don't remember how long, but. Was he a grad I, I transfer maybe? I can't no, remember. No, he had been here for a long time and he, um, he, and it, then he had that extra year because of the COVID year. So I want to say he had, he played or was here like for six years or something. So okay. he's moving on. So I don't know, to be perfectly honest, what the okay. kicking situation and is going to be like. Well, we know they have a new special teams coordinator here. Okay. So that'll be interesting because Brian Mason was fabulous last season and yeah. all the blocked punts. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of continues or if, if that's going to be a sore spot now. Exactly. Well, tell us about what your schedule is going to be for Saturday. So, so uh, people up, up in our area can at least pay attention to it. And people, yes. you know, in, and you can stream us also. So well, and that, and that, tell us about what, how Saturday's going to work for you. I'll talk forever. So if you guys want to just interrupt me and chime in, that's great. <laughs> we So our show is called ABC 57 Kickoff, and it is a Notre Dame football pregame show. And we are at all of the home games uh, every Saturday from 10 till noon. And then we do a lot of away games, too. And we're doing a special one for the Blue Gold game here this Saturday. So from 10 to noon locally on ABC 57, but also we stream everywhere on abc57.com. And like you guys said, it's amazing how many viewers we're getting around the country. And especially then when you add in social media, one of the things I'm bringing back is our Golick in a golf cart segment, which is wildly popular. He's uh, Mike Golick, of course, there he is in his beloved golf cart. We just love him. He is, uh, he's still very active in the podcast world. Uh, but this fall, he said he's kind of taking a break from doing college football games, but he is calling NFL games still for radio. And so we have the opportunity with him. He lives here locally. In I say he, lives, he lives in one of those new new uh, condos there along Twickenham, maybe? I no, can't he lives right on Notre Dame Avenue in one of the big, oh, oh, one of the very oh. first big, beautiful homes okay. built on Notre Dame Avenue. And he drives his golf cart all over campus. And so we bring <laughs> him back on and we talk football with him, of course. Well, as part of that, we always kind of, he shares some memories and, and things of his time here on campus. And one thing he brings up it's called Ann Tostel. Have you guys ever heard of that? So he texts that to me I and I'm not. like, Google it immediately. I was like, uh, I thought it was a typo. I'm like, what the heck is Ann Tostel? <laughs> and it was back in his day in the 80s. It was this amazing, basically like a field day when you're an elementary school kid, field day, but for college <laughs> oh, kids. Yeah. So the events were wrestling pigs and tossing mattresses. They would have a mattress race with a, a girl, a co-ed on top, and they of would course. run. And then whoever could throw the mattress across the finish line first would win. What do you think happened to that poor co-ed on top? 
<laughs> and then he shares the story of OSHA would like a word. Uh, yeah, exactly. I wonder why this this kind of has gone by the wayside. They had a keg throwing <laughs> yeah. contest. And I'm so shocked. I have a picture of him in his tall socks in 1985 throwing a keg. And he said his brother, Bob Golick, came back, who at the time played in the NFL for the Cleveland Browns. He was like super popular. And he came back as a celebrity keg tosser. Well, he kind of overcorrected himself and tossed it right into the crowd of hundreds of people. And he broke someone's ankle. And that was the last time they ever did the keg toss. (laughs) I'm stunned. Liability. Heck, could you guys have done? Heck, you guys could have done that for homecoming at, at Manchester when you were in school. Well, no, we had a thing where they would throw the keg and we would catch it, and whoever and whoever actually caught one was 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 the hero for the day. That was back, that was back when you had a, had your original liver, right? Where you could yes, yeah. yes, I could I, I could partake yeah. in yes. He yeah. has shared some incredible stories with me over the years. They're hilarious. If you go to our website abc57.com and click down Golic, any one of them you want to select, he's told me about peeing in cups so that they could continue their 25 cent beer night at the Legends Bar on campus. We've taken his dogs out in the golf cart. We've played golf together. So he's a great guy, hilarious, super fun to be around. Another live guest that we're gonna have on the show this week is Chicago Bears tight end, Cole Komet. I'm really excited to have one of these young guys on and he's back on campus this spring taking three his final three classes to finish his degree at Notre Dame and while he's here he's rooming with his younger brother there you see him so Cole's the tall one and then Casey (laughs) is his younger brother who is currently a senior on the Notre Dame baseball team and Cole he actually played baseball at Notre Dame as well he was a two-sport athlete a lot of people forget that and um he probably could have had a chance he was a pitcher nope that yeah we'll get to that one in a minute but there you go and uh like the wrong arrow that's okay we're in the dugout there doing our interview and um but Cole and Casey they kind of share their experience of just growing up they're best of friends as as little big brother little brother that dynamic and uh Cole's gonna throw out the first pitch at the Notre Dame baseball game on Friday. And then we'll have that special story sort of about that baseball and brotherly love. And then at coming out of that, then Cole will be live on set with me and we'll talk football with him. Sounds like a fun, sounds like, like a fun Saturday. Yeah, it really does sound like a fun Saturday for for the uh, I mean, actually, the opening of of this season. Now they have their summer workouts and all their summer stuff. But this this kind of opens it up and and fans will be out there. I'm sure it'll be a great day. The weather's supposed to be really cool. I mean, really nice. Right. Uh, It's supposed to be nasty, really nasty. So we're actually moving our show inside. Where are you going to be? Yeah. Inside. 45 and oh. cold, 45 with a cold rain, right? And wind also. Wind is expected oh. to be a factor too. Yeah, it's going to probably be pretty nasty out. So if you so do you go won't be on in campus, your regular corner, you, are you no, going to be just inside be the same corner? We'll be there next in the fall, and we would have been there uh, Saturday, but because of the weather, we're moving inside. Also, just a yeah. heads up, if you're coming out to the game, all of the Joyce Center lot is completely tore up for construction. So you, it's all free to park wherever, but just don't plan on the Joyce lot. You can do stadium baseball lot over there by um, Compton Family Ice Arena, Compton. but don't plan to park in, in the Joyce. And that's our normal backdrop for our show too. Right. So it's like all tore up. So if you want to come yeah. by and see us, we're upstairs uh, in Purcell Pavilion. Go in the main doors, go up to the right, and you'll see us. Okay, there you go. 
All right. Well, listen, thanks for spending some time with us uh, this evening. I know you got a lot, you're really busy. You got a lot of stuff rolling and I know a lot of our listeners are, are, or or we're excited to hear your, your commentary about Notre Dame football. And uh, obviously you're a lot better looking to look at than me, Pat and Scott, right? Right, I love the title for this show. Rose between two thorns is really a rose between three thorns, Thorn, sorry there, Scott. Tonight. I gotta add you in there yes. too. You know, we got the youngster right. in here. So, yeah, I'm not even a thorn. I'm I'm still a, a root <laughs> in the in the soil. Just the young pup. Well, before I <laughs> well, leave, I want to say, yeah. and you can transition then into baseball if you want. But you saw that other photograph, and that's me. I'm interviewing Trey Mancini, and we kind of like to you know dabble a little bit in, into some other avenues. And he's a current Chicago Cubs player. He played baseball for Notre Dame. Uh, he was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles. And then in 2020, he found out that he had colon cancer. He was just in his Ouch. late 20s. And he wow. there was literally a time where he thought he was not going to play baseball again. But he went after it head on and went through chemo and, and everything, had surgery to remove it. And uh, he's doing great now. And he actually won a World Series for the Houston Astros last season. And so just an incredible journey for him. I'll have his story on ABC 57 kickoff as well. And of course now he's a Chicago Cub, although he's having a little bit of a rough week here, but he uh, just hit his his first home run for the Cubs just, just last week. So he's getting in there and getting into that he's, rotation too. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I know you, 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 you joined in here. I know you've got a busy evening ahead of you still getting things ready for for Saturday. So I appreciate you taking the time and lots of good information, things that we never, we would not have had access to. So I well, appreciate thank you, you coming so much. On. Anytime I can come on. I love it. Thank you guys. This has been All fun. Right, awesome. Be cool. See you. Right, Thanks. Go do your thing. See you. Bye now. So uh, Trey Mancini is a, uh, is a first baseman, right fielder, DH it came over, started his career with the Orioles, then then got traded to the Astros last year, got himself a, a, a World Series ring yeah, nice. with the Astros, and then uh, and then the Cubs signed him. Yeah, and this and the Cubs uh and now he's 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 kind of sharing some first base stuff with with Eric Hosmer, but he's not hitting the ball. He's hitting under two hundred and um, hopefully coming back to the friendly confines will be good for him. The Cubs now are are eleven and six. Are, you See, know, just, I haven't checked. Just, I haven't checked the latest stuff. But yeah, they're they're eleven and six, coming off of a five and one West Coast trip where where they were two and one against the Dodgers and uh, swept the lowly A's uh, three zip and uh, playing playing really really well. So so one of the things that I kind of wanted to transition into just for a minute or two because I know Allison helped to kick off the. Uh, the South Bend Cubs home opener last week, yeah, and, or, or two weeks ago, and, and uh, the South Bend Cubs. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know how many times you got you get out to those games, Pat, but the South Bend Cub games are fun to get out to. The ballpark food is great. The ballpark is is outstanding, and and believe it or not, the uh, the uh, the minor leagues that the Cubs have put together in both AAA, AA. Uh, South Bend is high advanced A, and then there's single A over at Myrtle Beach. The 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 the, the uh, Cubs minor leagues are, are are really really rated with really really good young players. And um, uh, Steve Berlin bought this ballpark here. 
Uh, he's a he's a Cub guy. He's got he's got deep pockets. He he refurbished it. He put those he put those apartments in the outfield to look like Wrigley Field mm-hmm. with the apartments in the background. Um, the South Bend Cubs right now are seven and four. They won the championship last year. Um, they were they were really good. They have a uh, uh, they have a really really good player, a, a highly rated player f- for the parent uh, South or uh, Chicago Cubs. A kid named Kevin Elcantara. He's about a six six kid that they got in the Anthony Rizzo trade, and he's really really he's really talented. He's kind of scuffling a little bit right now. He's about he's about down to two sixteen. Got a, they got a couple really good young pitchers. A kid named Cole Franklin. They got a six six uh, lefty reliever named uh, Luke Little, and uh, it, you know that'll be really really exciting exciting baseball to watch, especially especially if uh, if the Myrtle Beach, which is which is regular single A, mm-hmm. if Myrtle Beach gets off to a good start and some of those prospects get bumped up to South Bend high uh, in, in, into the high A Liga. You know, there's a kid you got to watch out for, a shortstop who's 19 years old. His name is Christian Hernandez. And uh, he's, you know, everybody who talks about him says he's a young Derek Jeter. He looks like Derek Jeter. He plays like Derek Jeter. He's really, really, really quick. He's really, he's really a really good baseball player. He's a kid that's somewhere down the line could be bumped up to high A, along with their number one draft pick last year, a kid named Cade Horton. Who's a, a a really really good pitcher? Seven innings. He he, he hadn't given up a run yet uh, down in Myrtle Beach, and uh, he's another pitcher that 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 could get bumped up to high A. So baseball in South Bend this summer will be rolling. And man, there's nothing there's nothing I like better than going eating some bar some ballpark food and and watching some good baseball. And the way they've got it set up now, you park you park there across the street in the old Gates lot. And you, you basically enter through center field. Their main entrances are at center field. And then you walk around and they've got, you know, left field. You can stay there in left field if you want, or you can go get your regular seats. I think Tuesday, we're hoping to be over there Tuesday. We're still waiting on confirmation. But I think John said that's a doggy night or something where you can bring your, bring your dog to the ballpark on Tuesday night. Well. Well, my dog, um, my dog Tess is about fourteen years old, Saint Bernard. She she ain't making that trip. But let me continue. Let me continue just for a minute here. The Tennessee Smokies are their are their double A okay. uh, affiliate. Great name. They have and they have the number one prospect in the Cubs organization, a player by the name of Pete Crow Armstrong, who the Cubs got in the trade for Javi Baez from the New York Mets. And uh, Pete Crow Armstrong is hitting 343 right now, and uh, he's he's going to be he's going to be the next phenom for Chicago. He's a center fielder. They say that he's he, he's ready to play. He's ready to play defense in the major leagues right now. He's just got to work on his hitting. And and as we know about the Cubbies now, their center fielder is Cody Bellinger, the the former MVP, the former Rookie of the Year. Who, who played really well for the Los Angeles Dodgers for a number of years and just and just kind of, you know, I mean, fell kind of off a little bit and struggled the last couple of years. The Cubs brought him in on a one-year deal, and uh, he's playing he's, – he's hitting, you know, maybe 278 mm-hmm. now, and he's going to hold center field down for, for a year until Pete Crow Armstrong um, gets ready. But, but, but Pete Crow Armstrong is, is the number one prospect 
and he's, he's he's playing really really well at double a right now so the team basically the path for the players is they go from south bend which is the high a then they go they go to tennessee which is the double a and then and then they go, they go to, and then they go to uh, 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 des, moines, des moines iowa des moines the triple a yeah, yeah, the AAA and the and, and the and the Triple A club right now is nine and four. They have probably two or three guys that 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 played for the Cubbies last year, but but they sent them down to work on some things. They have a kid named Christopher Morell, who who the Cubs brought up from Double A last year. Uh, he's hitting three sixty seven in Triple A. He's got four home runs already. But the reason and so and so this is kind of a double edged sword a little bit because the reason the Cubs sent Christopher uh, Morrell down to Triple A, what was to, was to cut back on his strikeouts. He, you know, at the, at the end of the season, he 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 struck out a lot. So he's at Triple A. He's in three sixty seven. He's got four dingers, but in sixteen games, he's he, or in thirteen games, he struck out eighteen times. So it's kind of it's kind of a double edged sword. So 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 I mean, how I take this is. He's either striking out, or he's getting, okay. a, or he's getting a base knock, or he's hitting a home run. But he's not really getting any better at cutting those strikeouts down. Right. And I, and I, and I know, and I know that the temptation to bring him up uh, will be really strong because of the way he's hitting the ball. But he's got to, he's got to work on cutting those strikeouts yeah. down. They got a kid named Nelson Velasquez, who, who they brought up. They brought up. He played two games for the Cubs. He went like five for seven. He went five for seven with a grand slam, and they, and they sent and they sent him back down because because uh, uh, Seiya Suzuki was coming back from an injury. So so the Cubs are really really well positioned with young baseball players at the minor league level, and I think I think I think you've seen teams for years be. Re- I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Their, their minor league levels were stocked. Mm-hmm. And when they wanted to make a trade, they could go make a trade because they had really good minor leaguers. The Yankees, the Yankees minor leaguers were, were stacked. And whenever they wanted or they needed to move a guy up, they moved a guy up. Right. If they wanted to go get a player, they had they had players that other teams wanted. So I think I think Jed Hoyer and the infrastructure of the Chicago Cubs have, have has done a really, really nice job of building of building the minor league teams and giving the Cubs uh, options when it comes to either wanting to go out trade players or moving players up. And I'll give you one name. I'll give you one name that, and, and of course I'm a diehard Cub fan. So I'm always, I'm always going to know the scoop and I'm always going to know what's going on. But Shohei Otani is, will not be happy in Los Angeles. If Los Angeles doesn't, Los Angeles doesn't make it to the playoffs. He, he can be a free agent next year, but they were talking about if the Angels aren't playing, because, so Otani's going to be a free agent and will leave for nothing. If the if if the Yankees or if the Angels aren't in in consideration at the trade deadline this year, the Angels might be open to trading him. And wow. the Cubs have the right pieces down at the minor league level to go get a player like 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 Otani, who's. Uh, Who's just one of the really, really special players that's ever played this game yet? Yeah, that's that'd be a big, big trade right there. That's for sure. And like you well, said, then, they, well, they could use a lot of those minor league players in in the package for him. Yeah. So so then so then you can't so so you can't give up half your minor league uh, stockpile players unless you know you can sign Otani because because just to trade for him and get him for two months 
and and, and lose all that and turn that, uh, that minor league uh, draft capital. You can't do that. So so it's it, it has to be a deal where you know where you know that Otani's going to sign for for five hundred thousand. He's going to sign for five hundred thousand, maybe 10, 12 years. And if you get into that sweepstakes and you get into that Otani game, you better have the pockets that are deep enough, mm-hmm. not only to trade for him, but to keep him, but to sign him. Yeah. And so, so I think I think that'll be the big case. One of his one of his really good friends plays right field for the Cubs, uh, Seiya Suzuki. But so everybody always talks about that, but that that doesn't mean anything. What what means everything is how much cash you're getting. And how good is the ball club you're going to? Right. right? They still want to play for a winner. And I think uh, what was interesting, I think, was it last night um, the Angels played the Yankees? And they they had a a ninth inning, uh, top of the ninth, and Otani was up and hit one deep to right. And Judge, at six foot seven, reached up and stole stole it. And it would have been the game winner. It would have been the game winner. And it was so you had the two two best players in the league, arguably, and uh, he he knocks one out of the park, and and Judge goes up there and goaltends the thing and, and steals it from him. So well, so so I think Otani is a is a is a generational player. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, agree. I don't think there's been a player like Otani since Babe Ruth. Yeah, and, that could that could pitch. Here's Aaron Judge, and they were talking about Aaron Judge's defense because you know he he hit 62 home runs last year. And here's Judge stealing a home run from from arguably the best player in in a generation. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think, I think. So all of the changes now that Major League Baseball made with the with the the clock on the pitchers, where um, you, you you know you have 15 seconds if there's no runner on base to, to deliver a pitch. You got 20 seconds if there's a base runner. The, the batter has a certain amount of time to get into the batter's box. So 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 they have cut the length of those games down now on average about 24 minutes. And um, th- there's a rule now where you can only throw over to first base twice. So so the steals are up because – That was my a, next question. With the, well, and the with bases the clock, are bigger too. Can you can you steal yes. can you steal bases? I mean the the yeah. analytics have been saying do not steal, stay on well no stay the, where the you analytics are. now. Now the analytics, well, the analytics have now are saying are saying steal. Right. The, the Cubs have the have have the leader uh in stolen bases uh this year, a kid named Nico Horner. And he's not a he's not a blazer, he's just he's just a good base runner, but he, but he leads the league with nine so far because once that pitcher once that pitcher throws that second throw over to first base. He, he he can't. I mean, he can't make another throw over there. Once he once he makes the first throw over there, it's a it's a pretty safe bet. He's he's not going to throw over the second time, uh, and 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 uh, base runners are getting great jumps off of the pitchers. Not only are they stealing second base, but they're stealing third base. And so so it's gotta be, and, and so when you get base runners yeah, in action, yeah, it livens the game sure up. It does. And uh, and and the fans like it. You know they they banned the shifts now, so there's there's no more three right. three infields over on the second base side now. Now you have to have both feet in the dirt. You can't be in the grass. So those those left-handed pole hitters now, their average is probably going to go up twelve to fifteen points because a lot of those hard shots that they were hitting in the hole on that right side are getting through now. So I think I think the game sets up for a nice uh, you know a nice. Uh, 
you know, nice afternoon of baseball now. I mean, you know, hopefully those 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 one to nothing games, those are still fun to watch because I mean, pitching is still good, but I I think I think the runs the runs per game is obviously up and, and cutting those games down by 24 minutes, uh, you know, a game, I think is great. I agree. I agree. And to hey. put on what you had said about Otani, um, I just, I just looked it up. The The biggest contract in MLB history was uh, Mike Trout signed for 360 million for nine years. So Otani, if he gets re-signed by really anybody, he'll, he'll get 500 for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. And who's, who's, who is? Uh, I mean, who's deserve? I don't think you know. I mean, let's face it, guys. I, you know, I don't think anybody deserves that that kind of money. But it's it's the it's the game, and it's the trends in the game. But if you're going to pay, if you're going to pay a guy that kind of money, then you're going to pay a guy that, that can that can go out every fifth day and potentially throw a shutout, and then a guy who's going to be your DH. And potentially hit thirty-eight to forty homers. I think you're getting your money's worth on on, the, on on that kind of a deal. If there's if there's any deal that could get you your money's worth, you know, in today's market, I don't know. Yeah, and there's no salary cap. They pay him whatever. I need. He's I need to afford. start. Yep. I need to start watching some more baseball because I I will I'll watch an inning or two, but I, I haven't had. I just haven't watched more than. Well, here's here's no here's what I got to start doing. I got to. So, so, so I have this artificial left shoulder now. I got a new shoulder. I'm trying to learn to throw left-handed because left-handed relievers they pitch in the, they pitch in the big leagues till they're you freaking seven. You got a little juice left. You can go in there as a reliever. No, I, I got a I got a bionic arm, man. You know who knows? Wait, I, who I, knows? I, I, those guys are those guys are still pitching in their in their for, late forties. You know the the lefty relievers. Well, but. I was going to say I will tell you my my son-in-law down in Nashville will tell you. Uh, Batting practice pitchers are in huge demand right now. That's been one of the things that he's he's been offered is a couple of places want him to go on the road and and pitch you know, go with the team and pitch batting practice. Well, especially if you're going to face a lefty that night. Yeah. So if you're going to face a lefty that night, they want a lefty throwing batting practice that day. Mm-hmm. You know, just to get the. I mean, I mean the hitters and baseball players now. I'm not saying they're spoiled because they're because they're really really good at what they do. I mean to hit a baseball 95 miles an hour, the bat's not very big. That's that, that is a tough skill. But baseball players today, I mean whatever advantage you can possibly have in technology and all of that stuff, baseball players have all that information now and and I know it's still a game of failure. I I mean I know that 10 at bats at, you know, you get 10 at-bats, the numbers show that you're going to fail on seven of them. And if you get three hits out of 10, you're going to make a lot of money. But the advantages that players have over the over the players, you know, a long – I mean, the only thing the players had a long time ago was, was you know, maybe they got some free chewing tobacco when they would spit on the ump <laughs> shoes or something like that. But they never had all, all this – all these numbers no, and all no. these these analytics to, to help them. They just went out and played baseball, yeah, man. Exactly. Hey, I'm just looking at the notes. Your boy Q's listening to us. He's got wrote, wrote you a couple notes there about he mentioned Satchel Page being one of your, your pitchers and stuff. So no, no, no. Satchel pitched though. He was like seventy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so you think I'm kidding? I got Monica in the front yard and I'm throwing. I'm trying to throw some left-handed stuff to her with this bionic shoulder. 
And who knows? How long before she got mad about chasing the ball all the time when she went between? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get her any. I didn't throw any where she could catch. But you know, <laughs> that's all right. Hey, we hey, got, listen, boys. I say we got, we got it. We're at a turning point. We could, uh, we got to, you know, continue the playoffs. I thought Tuesday we would talk seriously about the draft because the draft's coming yeah. up next week. So we'll talk about yeah, the draft that's, that's on all. Tuesday. We can talk and some NBA basketball Tuesday. And his Q and his Q, if if he's listening, he I mean he's he's as big of a Bear fan as I am, and and everybody's been the Bears got ten picks and blah blah blah, and so everybody's got these mock drafts, and it'll be really interesting to talk about it on Tuesday night. Our show our show is uh, won't be Monday night. Right. We we have to switch it to Tuesday, six thirty to seven thirty. Uh, hopefully we'll be in uh, in Four Winds Field where the South Bend Cubs play. If not, we'll be back at Bar Louis. Make sure you're listening. Q, you're the best. Hope your dad is 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 uh, yeah, feeling better. Hope so. And uh, Pat, I'm gonna head over to church here. I got I got a, a service I'm gonna go to tonight. I'm gonna say a nice prayer for you, man. Scotty, That's you're good. the best, man. Keep so so. Are you in Texas yet, Scotty? Yep, sitting down here at the uh, American Training Center Hotel, about to go lift weights. All right, man. Yeah, that tell your lovely bride we said hi, man. And uh, uh, you guys keep rolling. Great show tonight, Allison. Was Allison cool. was she, good. She gave us some great, some great info and um, great show. So I'll look forward to to hanging with you on Tuesday, Pat, yep. and then and then we'll talk about next week uh, whether we're going to do a Zoom on on Thursday or not. And uh, man, I, I mean, I love these Zooms. I can these sit are, at the crib. Yeah, these are easy. I can wear a hat. I can, I can, I can like see you and Scott. Scott, you know, Scott's in Texas, man. Are you kidding me? It's, it's like he's right here in our living room. Well, I man. know it. He's sitting in a hotel room. Down. Scott's our general. So, so I've been looking for a title. Scott's our GM. He's our you general think? manager, man. We, I think, I think Scott's got to be our general manager, man. Well, we may have to get Q on here too as one of our guests, just to. Although that, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. You have to decide that one. Well, no, Q, we'll no, Q, Q will, on here on the no, Q will get on there with a with with a with a, a wonderful cigar. He loves he loves those cigars. He'll get on there with a wonderful cigar, and 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 maybe maybe uh, next week when we when we do a Zoom, maybe we'll get him on for ten minutes because he'll yeah. be able to give us all the insight on on the Chicago Bears draft. Yep, I agree. All, all right, right, guys, you guys yep. are the best, man. Scott, close us out. We'll get out of here. We'll see everybody all on right. Tuesday. Yeah, see you guys on Tuesday. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, go to broadcastsport.net, see these two guys do the live show this Tuesday, not Monday, but Tuesday. And until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you guys. Adios. You guys are the best.